yo, it's Life is Dope Podcast. I'm your man, Graffiti. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's Davey. How you feeling today, bro? Man, it's a little bit rainy. You know, I'm a little bit down. Drake, Drake-ish. Yeah, drinking and driving. Drake weather, scorpion weather. Yeah. I know, man, I'm, I'm trying to get my vibe up, too, but it's, it's still a good day. It's still a good day. What's going on in the world? Man, how do we feel about all of these Drake freestyles that have been coming out recently? I think it's weird. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's rapping in, like, a, an accent that's not... No, I'm already over that. I mean, we know he does the fake accent thing, but I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm tired of the nameless diss records. Mm. I think that's corny. I think that's corny. But you know what? Why let's, is that? Let's, let's introduce our guest real quick. Okay. Because it's an individual that I have heavy hip-hop uh, debates with damn near daily. <laughs> <laughs> so sure. I, I'm interested to see what he has to say about what we're going to say today. Let's get into so, uh, it. So uh, let's make some noise for my man, AKX. Hey, 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 hey. Peace, peace, peace. How you peace. feeling, bro? Feeling good, feeling good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate hey, you. So through. for the people that don't know, let them know who you are and what you do. Yeah, AKX uh, of uh, Righteous Revolution. Righteous Revolution movement is uh, basically a hip-hop syndicate. It's a vibe. It's a movement, as as I said, uh, to bring conscious hip-hop to the forefront and to bring hip-hop with a message to the forefront again mm. as, as is really needed, you know, overall, you know, right now. Word. So that's what Righteous Revolution is all about. And I'm just, you know, the, the, the key vocalist of the movement, so to speak, and it's seen in the music that we do. And, and so on and so forth. So that's that's what Righteous Revolution, AKX, is really about. Word, Righteous Revolution. Cool, cool. So how, how long uh, have you been doing that for? Uh, well, we've been rec- I've been recording since I was like 14, 15 years old. I'm oh, originally wow. from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, I was linked with a lot of the studios that did Calypso and stuff like that. And I was able to get in and do hip-hop in those types of studios. So that's really kind of where I started. Um uh, long story, then I ended up here in Denver, Colorado, um, and started uh, kind of pushing Righteous Revolution music, had the opportunity to do a lot more recording, studio availability, and that kind of thing was, you know, kind of readily there. Right. And I was able to work with some good engineers and, and get some music done and get some music out. And so we have that, and we have a you know extensive catalog right now as a result of that. Right. So when you say conscious hip-hop, mm-hmm. Break that down a little bit, because I, I, you know nowadays, like you hear conscious, right? And it's like, man, what you what you talking about, man? That R- boom bap, right, right. I mean, I mean, righteous revolution. We're, we are trying to. Uh, you mentioned boom bap, but that that's that's the era that we are, yeah. You know, championing. You know, and, you know, you know. We think it's called the golden era for a reason. But anyway, as far as conscious hip hop is concerned, it's it's simply hip hop that's bringing you a message something that you need to stop and think about and it's doing it in a in a in a way that lyrically promotes thinking mm. okay so if you name most conscious artists or artists that have conscious uh content within their hip hop um popular artists like Nas that right. does have a lot of conscious uh messages within his hip hop you'll see that the wordplay and how he presents that message is very important as almost as important as the message itself right. in terms of music, in terms of hip-hop. And that's what we're trying to do and continue. And that's, and that's really what conscious hip-hop is. You know, that message, it might be, as Brand Nubian brought it about, um, the Nation of Islam or the 5% Nation. Mm. You know, it may be as Lecrae, you know, does it with about 
you know, a Christian's perspective. Right. It can be whatever, but it's bringing a message. It's, it's not focusing on the negative. Right. And most times it's focusing on the negative only to shine a light on it so you can, so you can refocus on the positive. That's what I think conscious hip-hop is about. Right, right, right. So to kind of we'll, – we'll get back for sure to what <laughs> you do, but to uh, go back to the topic we were just discussing. So, so Drake – I feel like anytime I name any artist ever, you'd be like, trash. How, <laughs> how you feel about Drake and his accents and his lyricism and just Drake in general? Man, honestly, uh, you know, Drake and the sound that they come with is cut from a different cloth than what, you know, I grew up understanding and knowing hip-hop to be. Right. Okay? That's just for me personally. You know, I, I, I'm from – all the way back when, mm. you know, we was we were listening to Jam on it and we were listening to the, the park tapes out of New York jams, you know, all the way back from then because Trinidad has a direct link to New York. Right. So why, whereas even Americans were not getting the hip-hop revolution, evolution as it was taking place, we were getting it directly. Right. You know, because we had cats coming back and forth from Trinidad to New York and they were like, yo, listen to this. And I, we were hearing it all. Right. You know, so we had that direct link to hip hop and and the sound and so on. And and through that, it's difficult for me now in this day and age to really listen to a lot of the newer artists. You know, I'll I'll be quite honest, you know, their sound and, you know, their use of a lot of, uh, you know, computer computerized uh, auto tunes and effects and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, moderation of the voices and all that. You know, that's not what, you know, I grew up understanding hip-hop to be. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like a diss on great. I understand sonically that's pleasing to a lot of people. That's why it's selling. That's why people are, you know, find it appealing. Right. Nevertheless, I just feel it misses the mark mm. in terms of, you're appealing to all these people, and at no point in time can you bring a conscious message to people. I mean, recently we had that; they had that whole incident with the blackface. Yeah. And when that when that happened, you know, he kind of showed. You know, I, I was actually thinking about, you know, my position in life, and you know, as uh, as far as race is concerned, right. and it wasn't doing it on a negative. And I was able to highlight some consciousness about Drake. So it's there. Just you know, but yeah. then you go to the music, and that's what I've been saying. As as in the case with him, the music is not reflecting the times. Mm. We're living in some rough times. We're living in times where we can openly say and hardly find disagreement that the president is an open racist. Right, right. You know, and that's not being reflected in the actual music that we're hearing. That's not being reflected in, you know, in, in the consciousness of the people as they're focused as far as this hip hop culture is concerned, and and that's concerning to me, and that's why I kind of, yeah, push back on you know Drake and some of these new artists. Mm-hmm. Not to dwell on Drake, but how you feel about because you're you're really from the islands. How you feel about the fake accents? Is that like appropriation? <laughs> no, because in in essence, somebody could accuse me of that yeah. because you know I mean I grew up in Trinidad and we don't talk like that. You see it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, right. and. But I grew up listening to hip-hop and, 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 and the accent and all that, you know, kind of came with the territory. I was, I was watching another British hip-hop artist talk about the same thing, that when he first started, that American accent was what he kind of went to immediately. Right. So mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't knock Drake 
for that is music is sound. If that sounds, if it sounds good, mm-hmm. if he's pulling it off in a way that's that's you know that's groovy, that's hip hop, that's you know what I mean. Right. I'm I'm down with it. You know what I mean? Because people could easily accuse me of that. Because and I, and in the music I do now, I flip constantly back from the American vibe or the hip hop pure rap vibe right. into the reggae chanting dancehall kind of vibe so that's constantly going on in the music that i do so right but even if he's not so much conscious i would still consider drake to be very uh lyrical especially like in his music like even down to like the push a t this or the uh the the latest freestyle that he came out with or even even just some of the um the more I, w- I would consider like hip hop records on the the Scorpion album. I mean, he he has of course like the 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 pop records, the stuff that's going to end up on radio. But he has more also, I would say, uh, reflective style of music. Um, I don't I don't necessarily look for Drake to be conscious, but I do look to him to speak to what's going on in his life, and I and I think that he raps for a certain demographic. I, I think right. that the the demographic of girls <laughs> that's the word you're looking for bro no, not even that. i mean yeah not he raps for the ladies but i think he also raps for i would say just regular people like regular mm. dudes in terms of like didn't grow up in the hood didn't grow up in the streets who's who's you know conflicts or struggles that they go through are probably the ladies or probably right. like with their family or probably um I would say like every more like everyday struggles, not yeah. so much, you know. I don't know though, drugs, violence. I would say that that lane is like a J Cole. You know what I mean? Because J Cole raps for like people in dorm rooms, <laughs> broke. You know what I mean? That's more. It's more of a general style than a relationship issues or. I you know what I mean? But is J Cole that self reflective though? I think. J. Cole is definitely more on the conscious side of it. Right. But I don't really see him reflecting on himself as a person and what's going on in his life. What if we remove the artist real quick? Okay. Let's let's dig in, everybody. Let's let's try to uh define lyric lyricism in twenty eighteen. Mm. What what happened, bro? Producer making weird ass sounds in the back. <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk Wait, about does, lyricism does, overall. Wait, producer Julius, how do we feel about J. Cole? I mean, we don't. That's what I'm saying. Take the artist out because we'll sit here and debate the two forever. Okay. <laughs> we got we got to we got to talk about overall lyricism because that that's a touchy word in 2018. Okay. Like, what does a lyricist sound like in 2018? What do y'all think? I think just rhyme scheme, flow, content, punchlines. Yeah, you just named a lot of components. Yeah. Right there, you know. Because, I mean, I feel like a lot of people just hear big words <laughs> and be like, oh, man, that cat's a lyricist and don't really even know what lyricism is. I mean, if it's big words in context. Yeah. Yeah, but if you kind of if you kind of examine the history and you kind of see how, you know, l- lyrics develop in hip hop, you know, you had a, you had a point in time where, you know, everything was rhymed at the end right you drop yeah. a line you rhyme it you drop another line you rhyme it all right and then you started seeing some complexity to that that's the complexity to the rhyme scheme and that developed even more so especially with guys like Kumo D Rakim mm-hmm. they developed that aspect of it 
where you're starting to develop a more complex rhyme scheme in how you're presenting whatever lyrics you're presenting. So rhyme scheme is a huge part of it. He just mentioned it. And today, you have a reverb. <laughs> I mean, everybody, every, I thought by 2018, we would yeah. hear guys packing in like a million syllables into this space, mm -hmm. and I would get like this much information in the first two lines of a rap. Mm -hmm. Now it's gone. It's actually we've gone to a point where it's slowed down. The right. rhyme scheme has gone away, and it's gone to the point of mumble rap, where people aren't even flowing anymore. And so, but I think that I think that comes from I don't know. I, like I love, I'm a, I'm a hip hop purist as well, believe it or not. Like because I listen to all kind of whatever, but I love the fact that people can just get a message across simply. Because that's what used to irritate me about some of the older artists. It's like, man, you like super lyrical, and I'm kind of missing the message because you're just barring me to death right now. Where you can get like a J. Cole, and he'll just come like, yo, this is what it is. And I'm like, man, I can relate to that. J. Cole's so playing. boring, though. But see, and then you got the cast of like, that's boring. So, so <laughs> you, you yeah, can't well, please, and, please anybody. And not even so much, I wouldn't even say he's a boring rapper. He just picks boring beats. Yeah. Same could be said for Nas, though. But, well, that's what they said about Nas, but. Yeah. I mean, when you go over, I, I don't agree with that. Because when you go over the whole Nas catalog in actuality, I mean, there's production from Premier, there's production yeah. from, you know, the greats all over the place, Dr. Dre. I mean, no. I think <laughs> I Nas don't go, is, I don't subscribe to that. I think that's yeah. that, that has become rhetoric in the hip-hop community that Nas picks terrible beats. I, I don't subscribe. I mean, Illmatic. Yeah, I think, I think Nas has trouble making not making but selecting the right singles that for sure because i think he i don't think Nas was ever meant to be a mainstream artist and he kind of just picked up as a mainstream artist but his yeah but what is a mainstream artist and who is meant to be a mainstream artist mm, drake the, the consumers <laughs> i think the consumers decide yeah but what makes consumers. the consumers decide so yeah you see the the aspect of this whole thing that people leave out is marketing mm -hmm. okay Back when we had Public Enemy drop in, at the same time, Poor Righteous Teachers, these guys were selling platinum, mm. okay? These, they were selling out stadium, not with majority minorities and blacks, but like Jizza said, white teens in tight jeans, right. mm -hmm. all right? So the powers that be recognized the power of hip-hop to move the masses and all of the masses, not a segregated group of the masses, and so what you're seeing now is not organic in hip-hop. Right, right, right. So you, you, we talk about, well, what the people like. Well, what the people like is determined by way more factors than just, okay, organically, I listen to that, I just like that. Oh, absolutely. You know, they understand how much I got to push this song to you. They understand how many times I got to repeat it on radio. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times you hear this song, you're like, man, I, I ain't really feeling that. And then, you know, a few days later, you're like saying the words of it. You've right. heard it a million times. So what is great as far as hip-hop and what is mainstream is not just determined by what people like. Oh, I, I definitely agree. You know what I'm saying? But I also think having, the, I think having the machine behind you can only do that with certain artists. It, it, I don't think that it works for everyone because I think we, we've seen how the machine has gotten behind uh, Iggy Azalea and tried to push it onto people and, even, sti work. and even still, like... <laughs> It, it got her up out of here after that first album. Yeah, where they do that with a lot of corny artists. Or I would even take, um, who's another one? Uh, Fetty Wap. 
Mm. Like, I definitely think they tried to push that Trap Queen song on us. They just played it nonstop, and it worked for a little bit. And then after that, once they once the machine left, this is a wrap. Yeah, he was gone. But I think if you look at that has a lot to do with still though. Like it was just terrible. Like, and I know that's subjective, right? But I fucking hated that song. Yeah. It just didn't sound good. Like even just from the Sonics to just all, it just didn't sound good. But they, like you said, they programmed it and played it so much that it was a hit record. And it was just like, come on, man. And the same with Iggy. Like, even though Iggy kind of got a hit now. But <laughs> but the same with Iggy. We're showing you again at the end of the day, if I decide this piece of crap is something that I'm going to sell, I can sell it. Right. That's the reality of marketing. You know what I mean? And and that's what I see at work more so in the hip-hop industry than, you know, just the, that organic sound coming to the forefront and people saying, yeah, that's dope. Mm. I'm down with that. I think it's, it, I don't know, it's kind of weird, too, because at the same time, as much mumble rap or, or whatever, the bubblegum rap that's out right now, there's still a lot of artists with a lot of substance. But the problem is you got to dig for them. And I don't think people do the digging. And I think that's an issue in hip-hop as well, because right now it's just like, all right, we see the little Pumps and the little Lils and all them at the forefront of or what seems to be the forefront, when realistically – Kendrick, Cole, and cats like that are really at the top of the game. Right. I think it's a it's a misconception, but I don't know how to change that. How do you change that? that that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. I don't but, know how to. But change that's it. what I'm saying. Things are set up so that change in that particular sphere doesn't come about. Right. And I mean, I mean, and I mean, we can go into a lot of different things. Education system. We can go into, you know, what I mean, systematic types. Just, just, just a lot of things have been done within different spheres of the systems that we live in to bring us to this point where this mass of people is willing to listen to that and say that's dope. That's that's right. that's a reality. You know? And I think it also comes back to the question that we're not asking: Why are these artists being marketed to us? Why is the machine getting around, getting behind certain artists and not others? Why are they getting behind the little pumps, the Iggy's, the the, the artists who are less conscious? What is it? What is there to achieve? If they could easily take that same marketing structure and put it behind any lyrical conscious mm. person, why don't they? You can go ahead and break it down, bro. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Or why do we think? Well, I mean, back in uh, back in the was that I'd say late '80s when gangster rap was taking a foothold, mm-hmm. coming out of LA, um, there were actually meetings held at that time specifically to promote gangster rap, to push gangster rap, and these meetings were actually held with a lot of people who were investing in the private the private prison facilities and private. Pr- private prison industry mm. as we know it now. You see, and you, you understand, if I affect the culture in a certain way, people are going to react in a certain way. So just like I, I had said before, um, when they were pushing positive hip-hop, even though the crack epidemic was happening, simultaneously more black men went to college or thought going to college was a good idea. I think the percentage was like two, 300% during that time mm-hmm. because it was cool to be educated. It was right. cool to be, you know what I mean? Your 
your famous artist was telling you it's good to have knowledge yourself. Mm. It was now on, they're telling it was on you, TV too. Right. Now they're <laughs> telling you, you know, now they're telling you pop mollies, don't give a damn, don't give a fuck. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing. You know what I'm saying? So they understood back then that, hey, in order for these industries to go, we can we could we can basically engineer these people to operate in a certain way. And you saw that. You saw mass incarcerations. Mm-hmm. You saw, you know, the so-called crack epidemic, which they don't want to equate to this opioid epidemic. That's another thing. But you saw that that's going on. When that was going on, still college, stu- college students in the black community was rising. And then when that gangster, when the gangster rap fully took hold, even on the East Coast, everybody was, you know, MC Hammer was trying to rap like a gangster. You yeah. know what I'm saying? True. So... When that took hold and that became the fashionable thing and the end thing, they recognized the level of ability to engineer. And that was then, okay, so we could do that. We can make them shoot. and Okay, so, well, let's make them just not right. care about anything. And that's why the, mu- the lyrics now is even more simplistic. We don't even have to say anything to dumb you down. Right. We don't even have to point you in a direction that's dumb. We just have to not say much, give you a dope beat, tell you go to the club, tell you wild out, pop bottles, you know what I'm saying, right. make it rain. We don't have to give, give you any substance now. We don't have to give you any reason for it. We just market it to you. Power of hip-hop and marketing. Hmm. I guess my, my counter-argument to that would be I, I feel like all of those things were happening before gangster rap. I feel like that's what gave birth to gangster rap was was the crack era was the it it was mainly it was mainly conscious hip hop evolving into or or maybe not even evolving but but taking sides one side staying conscious and the other side staying saying no like my my family's on drugs or you know I got pulled into this lifestyle and this is what I'm talking about now because this is the only thing that I know um I, I definitely do agree that that mainstream or the powers that be saw that there was an opportunity for it to sell and for it to make money. Mm. And I think that's why they got behind it more so than the conscious side. But I don't know if I I think at the end of the day, it's still artists, you know, rapping about what they've been through or, or the situations that they're in. And it's just the, the, the machine getting behind it and and promoting that side of it. I think you can tell the difference though. Um, Cause like, I got a love-hate relationship with gangster rap. Like, I love West Coast, old-school, 90s gangster rap. Like, okay. that's kind of what formed who I am in the hip-hop culture, you know what I mean? Just coming up under the NWAs and Doggy Style, just that whole vibe, you know, that's why I got Chuck's on every day. Just all of that. But I like that because it was telling the, the streets, like, yo, this is what we see every day. Here's a... a scope into our world and how it looks. That's why I like Kendrick so much. But then there's your cast that's just, I'm about to kill everybody. Right. I, got, I got all the crack. And it's like, come on, bro. Like, that's there's no consciousness there at all. You just straight pushing negativity. And those are the guys that kind of get pumped up. You know what I mean? Like, and I think I think that's the, that's the toxic side of it. And I try to avoid that as much as possible. But, again, it's that, oh, man, this beat is banging. And it sound good in the in the car and in the club, and it, you kind of just get caught into it without even realizing what you're putting in your ears. Yeah, I mean, I I love, I mean, 
I love gangster rap, and I'm talking about lyrical content again. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, MC Ren is a, was a great lyricist. Ice yeah, Cube yeah. is one of the greatest lyricists of all time. So, um, th- they had that component in there, um, and the problem overall was the balance. Yeah. You know, I mean, we always had rappers talking about shooting somebody or w- whatever they went through in the hood and so on. But you also had party rap, Humpty Hump and all that kind of right. stuff. You, but, right. but at the same time, you had conscious rap, Lakim Shabazz and stuff like that. So there was that balance. What we're seeing now is a lack of balance. Mm. You know what I mean? And all those different entities was brought to the forefront. You remember watching your MTV raps? You'd watch Tribe Called Quest. You know, you'd see Diggable Planets. Right. And you'd turn around and you'd see, you know, Easy e You right. know, you had a variation. Vanilla Ice. You know what I mean? But now <laughs> right. they've boxed it into one thing. Right. And they say this is hip hop, and that's it. And that that's you know kind of sort one of the sources of the problems. Deep, deep. The hip hop rabbit hole gets deep. Let's go ahead and hop into something else real quick, and we'll come back to hip hop. Yeah, let's see what else is going on in the world. So now they're saying, I know we've been like following Papa John's like the past couple of episodes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the Papa John saga. The saga continues. So this new headline says Papa John's founder said he was pushed to use the N word. I got to read this. So, yeah, Papa John's founder is doing what uh, many people do after it's revealed that they made racist comments. He's playing the victim. He admitted to using the N-word during a role-playing exercise last week and was what? forced to step down. <laughs> yeah. There's a role-playing exercise? That's what they do at Papa John's? Let's see. He was participating in a racial sensitivity training program when he stated uh, Colonel Sanders called blacks niggers. Uh, it appeared as if he was trying to defend himself. Try to throw KFC under the bus. Maybe, yeah, no, we don't have to keep yeah, we'll have to <laughs> entertain this. Like, ain't that like a snitch, man? It's like, hey, no. Uh, what, what what happened was KFC. we had to learn about how KFC really be saying things, <laughs> and I just happened to say it while we were talking about it. Man, Papa John's is out of here. How how, how you feel about uh, not even that specific? Have you been following it? Subject? What's but, been going on with Papa John's? No, I haven't. I have. I haven't. Honestly. Yeah, we, well, we but, got him up out of here anyway. Basically, but. yeah, he was on the phone talking about nigga this, nigga that, and it, it got leaked out. Um, I'm not surprised. We kind of, like I said, we've been on Papa John's helmet. But uh, how you feel about that word? Well, I mean, you know, as an artist, it's difficult to answer. You know, it's, it's kind of. Yeah, you know, you, it's a good like, lyric. Yeah, with the love-hate <laughs> situation yeah. with certain things. As somebody who you know, wants people to be aware of black history and wants people to be conscious of the past so that we are, you know, not repeating the the mistakes of the past in the future. You know, I mean, that that word does come into, into play. Um, as an artist, I like artists to be able to be totally self-expressive. You know, whatever you need to say, want to say, whatever, you're creating art, go ahead and be able to do that. You know, I mean, that has to be the range for an artist to really, you know, give you his best, actually, at the end of the day. And that's what you want um, overall. But um, I've heard different sides of the story. I've heard, you know, certain um, – Dick Gregory went to Africa and he heard, you know, yeah. brothers talking there and never using the word and was like, wow, they never say that. Yeah. So we're not that. And he said from that day on he would never use that word again. Mm. You know what I mean? Whereas D.L. Hewley said, hey, it's common vernacular. Right. You know, that's what, that's what we've been saying. And, 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 you know, words are all about intention. 
as far as he was concerned. You know, words are all about what emotion and intention are behind it. You know what I mean? Right. And so he viewed it that way. It's a greeting between brothers and, and stuff like that. So I, I've seen both sides of the story, and I use it in lyrics to emphasize certain things. I swear in lyrics to emphasize certain things, because certain things can only be said certain ways as far right. as I'm concerned. Right. right. But at the same time, yeah, I really struggle with that because I understand the the kind of duality and the kind of uh, you know kind of possible hypocrisy you could be presenting. Right. You're saying, okay, don't use this word at all, you know, if you're of a certain skin color, and and then and then at the same time, saying we make it a little accessible. That's yeah. the tough part for me mm. because I always find myself trying to not say it as much as I do because. Nigga, I say nigga a lot. <laughs> but and then I'd be like, man, well, why should I stop saying it? Like, I like to say it. I don't have any ill intent behind it. It's right. just like a word I like to say. I say bro a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know what I mean when I say it. But I'll be amongst a bunch of non-black people saying it. And then I'm like, oh, if they say it back, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's the, that's the the catch-22 with that. Mm-hmm. But. But I think at the same time, like, it's not a difficult word to not, to not say. say. Like, think about all of the words that we don't say. Like, <laughs> word, like words that are derogatory against gays, mm. against Jewish people, against Asians, Hispanics. Like, we, we don't have a problem not saying those words. But for right. whatever reason, when it comes to the N-word, people tend to struggle with that. It's because we hear it so much, and we embraced it so much. But even then... And it's the context in which you con- you constantly use it. Yeah, you know, I, you know, coming from coming from the Caribbean, you know, w- you know, we just we again a different culture. We did we never spoke like that. Now, yeah, if right. you go to the Caribbean, you will hear that word every two seconds. Yeah, with brothers talking because the Caribbean does a lot, emulates America a lot in terms of culture. Right. So we just never said that growing up. So coming to, I, I adopted it I, when I came to college. You know, all the brothers would hang out together and so on, and mm-hmm. it'd be firing off. And before I knew it, I was saying it. Right. There was no problem, and it became part of your vernacular in no time. So it's it's really difficult within, like I said, within the context that you're using it to just say, you know, it's negative. You know, especially when you study a little bit about etymology and you realize words have changed meaning over yeah. centuries and times and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? So is it because black men we we're so endearing? Like you know, like we say. Remember, like I sent you that meme of the Spider Man's. Right. Like they was pointing to each other, and it was like <laughs> when black men get together and uh, what, what's it say? What's it say? Like a you got it competition pops off. Mm, yeah. When we see each other, like man, how you doing? Oh man, trying to get like you. You got it. You yeah, shit. Right. All right, bro. <laughs> All right, fam. All right, my nigga. Like be there for hours. We just be loving. You know what I mean? Like right. we we want to we want to spread love. Well, most of us want to spread love amongst each other, and that's one of those words that we picked up as endearing. I don't know. I just, I'm conflicted because I'm like, do I stop saying it so much? Or, I, I mean, for, I mean, for me, it's obviously it's, it's something I don't use it at work. Right. Yeah. I don't use it around my mom. I don't use it around older black people. Right. So there is still that ability for us to. <laughs> my mom uses it more than me. <laughs> That's well, yeah, probably where and, I got it from. And and, <laughs> and of course, it, it 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 certainly does depend on the relationship as well with that person. I think that's the that's the biggest thing about words is what is what is your relationship when using it. Of course, when we talk around friends, yeah. we don't talk the same way when we're around other people or in other settings. So it's, it's so it's just about applying those same 
yeah. mechanics to it, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, but the argument oftentimes is, you know, why, you know, I saw, you know, Chappelle was talking about it. Uh, why is it that we can, you know, he has some white friend that says, why is it we can't say that word? Right. And, you know, again, I don't, you, I'm not too sure where that will come from. Like, why would you want to? Yeah. Right. Knowing the history, why would you even want to do that? Why is that a desire of yours in the first place? And right. that's the main argument usually presented. Well, if you guys are saying it, you shouldn't have any problem when right. somebody of a different race says when it. Papa John says it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's Papa John, though. Like, get the fuck out of here, Papa John. <laughs> or same with, uh, same with bitch. Like, all right, pardon me. <laughs> same, same with that word. Um, I, that's not a word that I would say to a woman. Right. Even if women use See, and that's that, a word even, I don't even say if, at all, so that's that's interesting. Even if women use that amongst themselves or, or call right. themselves that, right? So I think it's it's the same principle, hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, and that's a word I wouldn't use at all because derogatory comes to mind immediately when I think of even right. You know what I mean? But it doesn't come to mind, like I said, most times. Yeah. In a setting, yo, my homeboy, you know, calls you up, yo, yo, what's up, nigga? You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. So, what what else is going on in the world? World Cup. Oh, World Cup. Shouts to France. Yeah. Clap it up. Clap it up yeah, for France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Majority uh what? African and uh Muslim team? Yeah, it's a well it's a, yeah, it's a majority African team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So why wouldn't you want immigration? You could win the World Cup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But speaking of soccer, you got oh. a little history with soccer, yeah? Talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I came to the USA on a soccer scholarship. Word. Soccer slash academic. Oh, um, word. And I uh, played four years for Weber International University in Babson Park, Florida. And then a lot of people say, well, why didn't you go pro? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was done with the running. I mean, it's one of the toughest sports to continuously play. And right. I had played competitively since I was six years old. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's grueling. So when you see those guys – you know, a lot of times people are watching a professional game like the World Cup, and they don't understand fully what they're seeing. You're seeing yeah. guys running eight, nine miles mm. during a game, sprint, dead sprints of eight, nine miles, right? During during ninety minutes, you know. So <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man. I've, I've been watching the World Cup for the first time, and I was like, man, I'm kind of mad I haven't been watching soccer. Like, soccer's kind of fire, but I don't know why. Like, how come we haven't adapted or adopted it in America like that, like the rest of the world? You know, like the I'm, biggest sport in the world, and we're just like, ah, eh, when's football starting? I mean, this is just <laughs> me, but I feel like sports where you don't score that many points, like people like that reward system of people of, of, or Americans, of Americans, yeah, like that reward system of points, points, yeah. That's why you know when people like even in football, you know, a touchdown is seven points, a yeah. field goal is one point or three points. So I think people, just, yeah, but then a you know a baseball. Uh, Lifer, so to speak, will tell you that a one-zero defensive game is one of the best baseball games you could possibly watch. Mm. So, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it can kind of go either way. I, I just think when you look at the history of it, the culture, the history, um, America made you know great great efforts to separate itself from England. England is the birthpla- birthplace of soccer. Mm-hmm. And America made great lengths to separate itself from England culturally in terms of its sports and everything. You know, they took cricket and made that baseball. They took rugby and made that football. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? So they try to ad- establish a separate identity. I mean, and even to make it seem bigger than what it is, they call 
you know, the baseball playoffs, the World Series. Right, yeah, right, when right. You have U.S. teams playing. <laughs> right. You know, so, so they made a concerted effort to separate themselves from that culture. And in so doing, they separated themselves from developing, the, you know, locally the greatest game in the world. Deep. Sounds good to me. Soccer players get that bag, though. So we we, <laughs> we were talking off the mic about the sponsorships on the jerseys. Yep. And uh, you were saying something about how much that costs to get a team or a player sponsored. Yeah, I mean the top professional teams. Those, I mean, those companies are playing billions. Wow. And that's why it's plastered right across the front of the sh- of, of the shirt. Yeah. You know, but that you know it matriculates to the players. Right, 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 right. You know I mean, soccer players. Professional contracts are guaranteed, really heavy guaranteed contracts. So, so. in other words, we should be teaching <laughs> our kids to play soccer instead yeah. of getting concussions on the football field, <laughs> gentlemen. Well, yeah, well, with American <laughs> soccer, the problem is America has never used its best athletes for that sport. Uh, its best athletes are playing football, they're playing basketball, they're running track even. Right. You know, and if America puts – institutes a program, the program they have now is terrible as a U.S. soccer coach, I can tell you that. <laughs> but if they institute a program whereby they, you know, funnel players in a way where regardless of economic bracket and all that stuff you're in, you can see the best players, then they would really step up and put the best athletes forward. They can really step up on the world scene. But right. so far that's not happening. But due to the fact that they have a local professional league, the MLS, that's doing great. Yeah. They have, you know, I mean, they have a great future. Yeah. Hopefully, man. <laughs> so you like went to soccer. college for soccer. You graduated college. Uh, business degree? Right. Okay. So tell us about uh, what's what's life been like since that. So it's not – so not only are you in hip-hop, but you're also in business as well. Yeah. I mean, recently – well, I have a lot of ex- – most of my experience is culinary. Okay. I'm a chef. Okay. Yeah. And so for the last two decades, I've worked in every aspect of the industry, catering, you know, restaurants, I mean, the whole nine, the back of the house grind. Mm. So I've seen it all, you know. And um, from that experience and from my experience cooking Caribbean food, you know, growing up and so on, I formed Denver Caribbean. You know, you could go to denvercaribbean.com and check out, you know, our, you know, many entrees, items that we make available. But only through catering at this at this point in time. We don't have the... The, the sit-down restaurant, which a lot of people who, after they try the cuisine, would like us to have. Right. But yeah. And I feel like that's – and that's a good thing that you bring up. I feel like it's so important for people to see the the, the dynamics of hip-hop artists having their, their hands in different things because I think when people look at rappers, they look at, okay, this person just raps, that's it. But now we're, now we're seeing the dynamics of rappers – being multifaceted like right. for example i mean if you turn on like vice land for example you'll see like action bronson mm-hmm. doing all sorts of cooking things or you'll see um nori nori there's a few of them but or even uh not to cut you off right. or even like two change who graduated college as well like they don't right. they don't really talk enough about like it's not just rappers coming from the streets and then Making a whole bunch of yeah, yeah. Like there's there's hip hop artists who are going through that grind of of going to college, of having their own businesses, of doing all of these things that are in addition to the the art of hip hop. Right, right, right. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, you have uh, you have have, uh, a light, like you were saying, not being, you know, shunned on on artists that are in the midst of the grind. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people think, um. 
you know, when 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 that when that rapper makes it, when I see him on on whatever medium that I deem a medium that tells me he's work, he's he, he's made it. Mm. You know what I mean? Then you know, a lot of people have that mindset. Only if I hear somebody's made it, will I listen to them? Right, right. Will, right. I, will I check out their music? Kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I think, like you were saying, with the underground and even getting to hear the other artists and so on, we got to get out of that mindset mm-hmm. and be willing to listen to you know that artist that's still in mid grind that that will that may become that great artist right. that you're going to hear every about everywhere. You know, I was watching a couple of little things on how different artists started, and I saw Erica Badu in this greasy <laughs> bar. Yeah, we got some chick named Erica Badu about to come up now, and it you know you just don't see you know a lot of times the story being told about the grind mm, before right. the fame and the glory and the and, and you know and, right. and the notoriety and that needs to be told. Definitely. Go back to the culinary a little bit. What's your what's your specialty dish that you mm. be going down on? <laughs> Man, um I believe strongly that I've developed <laughs> strongly <laughs> that I've developed the best jerk chicken in the Midwest. Oh man, don't okay. say that because I will pull up. Yo, I believe strongly I've developed the best jerk chicken in the Midwest. And I don't want to no. go into too much detail, <laughs> but I feel like I've gone around and I've tried everybody's thing to, you know, they yeah. don't know I'm there, but I'm trying it to check out, check out the competition. And, you know, some stuff that I do with actually smoking the meat and stuff like that yeah. brings out flavors and brings out a little degree of, you know, culinary level that isn't there in a lot of the other jerk chicken. I know I'm not trying to boast. No, no, flex a little bit. DenverCaribbean.com, I yeah. think you're guaranteed to find the best flavored jerk chicken. In the Midwest. Oh, man, that's all you had to say because I love church chicken. <laughs> For real. So yeah. to kind of double back, we were talking about uh, immigration after we were talking about soccer. Right. You want to tap into that? I know that gets a little little heavy on your side. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of that topic is on the forefront now as you see, you know, the kids getting separated from their parents and stuff in the news and all that. So it's kind of at the forefront. But – that's been going on, you yeah. know. I was unlucky enough, but at the same time fortunate to see it from the inside. I was detained and put in immigration detention for about four months, you know. And you see the separation of the families happening every day. Yeah. You know, I was in a cell with a hundred and something Mexicans from Guatemala, like nobody speaking English, <laughs> right? In short, and about three guys from Africa. Um, and daily, you see guys getting shipped out. Daily, you see guys getting deported. You know, when you l- listen to the stories, a lot of them couldn't even read their own legal paperwork. So they used to come to me a lot. Right. You know what I mean? My name was Trinidad in there. You know what I mean? So you start representing your country in the, in the real way. You yeah, know? yeah. So the paperwork, they couldn't even read it. They couldn't even see what was going on with, with their own case. And I would read what was going on with them and just about every situation that separation of family is a constant thing you right know what i mean so people are seeing it highlighted now but it's, it's, all, it's always been going on i can imagine you said four months yeah four months of waking up every day <laughs> and not knowing what country you're going to be in and and where you're going to be and and a lot of guys in there told me this is this is harsher than prison right like in prison we have an ironing board i got a fridge like this is like, yeah, you know, it wow. was, it, it's, it's, re- it's really difficult. Yeah, but 
So I guess in your opinion, mm-hmm. what would be what would be the best way for people to uh, to get involved in this process for especially when it comes to immigration and and how can people you know vote or who should they reach out to if they want to make an, uh, a difference or make an impact? Well, I mean, vote, voting on, on these issues going on the local level continuously is just participation by uh, U.S. citizens is difficult because you have an issue whereby I'm not being affected by it. Right. Right? So it's difficult for me to be motivated to vote about something that, at the end of the day, I may care if I see an orf- uh, orphan on TV or something, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect me. So it's hard to push that and get people out to vote on an issue that just never affects them. And that's the difficulty with immigration across the board. Mm-hmm. The people who want to see change in immigration are immigrants. Right. right. And they don't right. have a say in, in, in what the public uh, opinion is. And, if, and where they do have a say, it's minimal. You mm. know, So that's the difficulty with change in immigration law. And, and if you ever examine the law, people say things like, well, just do it the legal way. And then I'll ask them, what is the legal way? I have no clue. <laughs> right. You know, they don't understand what the legal way actually is and how much pressure they put on the immigrant to actually, you know, come up with the kind of finances and the type of paperwork to actually be here. Yeah. It's a very, very difficult process. And they've made it, as far as I understand now, even more difficult. Yeah. yeah. I guess we just keep bringing awareness and... Yeah, don't yeah, know what but we can you do. That, but the, the, to answer this question, best you can't. These topics come up all the time, right? Awareness is the main thing. Be aware that that people are voting on these things, and bills are passed, and it affects immigrants. But people don't realize that that's a constant process happening, and it's being brought to the fro- forefront. But people aren't voting on it. Mm. You know? So reach out to your local congressmen, your local uh, senators, and mm. let them know. Let them know that these are issues that that we care about. Word, 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 word. So before we wrap, let's tie back into the music real quick. Righteous Revolution. Word. So you dropped a few projects. Um, do you find it more challenging as a conscious artist as far as just getting more exposure, bookings, things like that, even just getting people to check you out? Oh, like, yeah. How, how's that struggle look? Yeah, that's, that struggle is real. I mean, um, I like... I linked with the brother uh, Wise Intelligent from uh, Poor Righteous Teachers. Okay, you know a while ago, and uh, you know, and he told me, you know, he, he told me much of the same. And I've seen, and I've kind of looked at his career over time. And this brother is like one of the greats, as far as I'm concerned. Um, he, he, his, his, his resume, is, you know, is unmatched by most. But he, he's a marginalized MC. You know, when we're talking about the greats and so on because of the constant message that he comes with. He doesn't sway. He doesn't defray. He keeps the message conscious. He keeps the message focused on what we should be thinking about our history and, and how we should view that going forward. So he, and he told me, he said, hey, you know, this road that I'm taking here, this, you know, this, this path is not an easy path. Right. It's not a wide open path. You know what I mean? You're not immediately making people dance and pop bottles. You know, you're, you're, you're actually asking people to think, which a lot of times they don't want to do. You know, at certain points right. in times in the day, going to a concert, that type of thing. So, you know, I do find it difficult to, to, to when you say righteous revolution, people are like, whoa, what's that about? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. 
when that's 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 like the first response, you know. I mean, I don't want to put something in that you know kind of doesn't mess with it, right? You know, what I mean, I was interviewed by Jay Prince, uh, who does all the hiring for um, the rap game and you know German Dupree's, mm -hmm. uh, the work that German Dupree is doing in hip hop, and you know we had a real in depth conversation. He's like, yeah, I really, really, I really like your music, yeah. But seriously, I would have no platform to market this, right? Right. And I said to him, name one conscious artist that's a mainstream artist right now. Mm. The phone went silent <laughs> for a, a long time. And he was like, I, I can't think of one offhand, but I'm sure I can think of one. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So so the lane is there, but people are just kind of afraid to, to tap into it. Yeah, most shows I do, I'll do it with, I'll, I'll do shows with, with, three four trap artists or you know artists with just a, a different vibe or whatever yeah and literally once righteous revolution vibe comes on you know i usually start i usually start my act with a little echoing speech from malcolm x or farrakhan or something to grab people's attention as to the seriousness of what we're going to deal with next and and people respond totally differently people that were on the sideline not paying attention to what's going on on stage I mean, they come to the forefront, right? And and it just shows me every time that the same people that's trying to hear something to make them groove in the club are definitely trying to hear a conscious message and music that brings it in, you know, in a true, you know, hip hop style or right. you know what I mean with that flavor. Work, 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 work. Let's see, you brought some uh, some gear with you today. Want to talk to us about that? Yeah, I mean, I bought some of the stuff that's available at RighteousRevolution.com. The we do these uh, graphic design T-shirts that bring, you know, African culture, history, hip-hop culture and history, the, you know, the culture of uh, black people across the diaspora kind of into the forefront. This one is called Comedic Science, and you can see some of the details and information they have. And these, these things go off real quickly, and they become a conversation piece. People come back to me and say, man, I went to a party with this and I couldn't even, you know, I start, I, we sparked like five or six different conversations about things. Right. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, this one is showing you the glory of the kings, the history of Ethiopia and Ethiopian kings and the lineage of that, that um, a lot of black royalty and lineage and uh, genealogy is not expressed. And we think about black history, a lot of people harken back to Martin Luther King and stop. Yeah. And so a lot of this stuff that we're doing is to bring a totality of black culture and history to the forefront. Mm. You know what I mean? So even in the reggae, this one is called Roots, Reggae Rootsmen, and it has some four of the, the greatest, you know, rootsmen of reggae, and the rootsmen are those that really kind of bring forward the message of Rastafarianism and the message of black liberation and the messages that came up against colonialism in the Caribbean. Right. So that's, that, that, that's what this, you know, is basically representing, and that's what, Righteous Revolution, you know, the merchandise, the music, it's it's all, you know, part of the same entity. Word, 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 word. You know, this one here is called, you know, Black Cause of the Diaspora. And this one allows people to go and check out a lot of history. Clarence 13X, you know, the history of Noble Drew Ali, and the things that people, you know, a lot of people in America, it, I really believe if people knew these things about their history, yeah, it, and about other people's history, it would only bring us closer together. I agree. You know, that history would only bring us closer together, but we 
the ignorance of other people's history and the ignorance of our own history helps in separating because then we believe a narrative that's handed to us as opposed to doing our research and finding truth and living based on truth. Right, 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 you know right. I mean? So, yeah, so that's that's the merchandise that, that I have to grab that up. Where can people grab that from? They can go to RighteousRevolution.com and buy it right off the website. Dope. As, as, as is the case with all our music and everything that we produce. Dope, dope. So Word. we appreciate your time. I got one final question for you. One piece of knowledge, advice, love, what would that be? From you to the world. Word. Um, I mean, at this point, I, I would really tell the people to that within yourself there's way more going on. And the more that you look into yourself, into who you really are as, as, we, as a human being, mm. you know, that's the deepest thing I can tell somebody to do. I can't, you can't hold somebody's hand and walk them down that path. But that's the the deepest thing because once what that produces, the fruit of that is understanding my brother better mm-hmm. and respecting my brother better and re- respecting his life better when I'm when I've really understood and respected my own. Right. You see, and that that does, that process rarely happens, and as a result, it's easier for us to yell at somebody in traffic. It's easier for us to pull out a gun and. You know what I mean? Right. It's easier to do things when we're disconnected. Right. And the more, I, you know, I think people start, I'm not trying to go down some spiritual mumbo-jumbo thing, I'm telling you, but I'm just telling you, look within yourself. Look within the elements and, 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 and the information that tell you about these things, and you will find, you know, such deep meaning in life that it will really affect how you deal with everybody and everything and, and, and the things that you have to deal with in day-to-day life. Work. Work. Cool, cool. Dope. And as as far as um, social media, how can people follow you? How can people uh, connect with you, get in contact with you? Word, yeah, we're on everything. Facebook, Reverb Nation, SoundCloud. You can listen to the last two albums, Seven Years in Babylon, and uh, Conscious, uh, Stolen Legacy, The Conscious Rude Boy. You can check those two albums out on SoundCloud, um, Spotify. I mean, all of the above, you know. But the main way you can get in touch with us and the main way you can check out everything is at RighteousRevolution.com. You know, we, we took the time and the effort to really build a website with all the music on there, make all the merchandise available, and we control the website. Right. You know, it's not through a second entity or anything like that. And so we can make available all our music, merchandise, you know, directly through the site. Dope, 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 right, dope. Sounds good. Speaking of merchandise, make sure you stop by LifeIsDope.shop. Grab you some Life is Dope gear. What else we got? We got mezbrands.com. Yeah, definitely check out mezbrands.com. That's right, uh, mezbrands, <laughs> redefining the culture of what it means to be a cannabis consumer. Uh, must be 21 and up and consume responsibly. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it tastes good and uh, it'll get you right. Mezbrands.com. What else we got coming up, bro? Uh, is that it? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I just like ask me like I do. Uh, uh, <laughs> Am I forgetting some? No, that's it. I just make sure I ain't forgetting nothing. Okay, okay. But let's make some noise, my man, AKX. Hey. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank Much you. appreciated. Absolutely. Love. Life is dope podcast. I'm Graffiti, and I'm Davey. We out. <laughs>